Thank you, singers. It's great to um, remember the Lord's resurrection on this day and um, to be greeted by the saints by um, Happy Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. The Lord Jesus is alive. And uh, so it's, um, it's such a grand truth. We don't have to wait until uh, April 16th to... To celebrate, but we can celebrate that each um, each week of the year, if not every day of the year. Let's turn in our Bibles, please, to Acts chapter two. We're going to carry on some of the thoughts from our worship meeting this morning. Acts chapter two and verse twenty-two. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. If you have any doubt or uncertainty about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, your faith is faulty or your God is too small. We want to offer some reasons this morning for right thinking about the Lord Jesus and his Resurrection. We're going to look at scripture and answer four questions as the Lord permits. How strong is death? How long could death hold Jesus? If death could not keep him, why did Jesus die? And then finally, what should I do in response to Jesus' resurrection? Let's pray. Lord, I realize in my own heart um, uh, imperfect thoughts about your resurrection and about um, the power that you displayed there. I ask, Lord, for your presence with us in a very real way. We, uh, we call upon you and your blessed name to, uh, to school us and to remind us of those precious scriptures that speak of your uh, resurrection and our response to that. We ask in your name, Lord Jesus, amen. How strong is death? Death is the ultimate one-way street. You can go down the street, but you cannot come back. How many of us have um, gone through a door and let the door close behind us and gone, oh, gone back and there's either a lock on there for which we don't have a key or there's no handle at all. Uh, I remember doors like that going outside and uh, the door slams closed and I go, okay, well, how am I going to get back? Death is that door for which there's no handle, there's no key to unlock again. Death has force and finality. 
Once the soul is separated from the body, there's no doctor, there's no medical procedure that's going to bring you back. Death is irresistible and irreversible. Imagine the futility of determining before I die that I'm going to raise myself back to life. You with uh, gray hair, uh, remember the name Timothy Leary? He was a, um, an advocate of psychedelic drugs and uh, of um, uh, LSD, particularly back in the 60s and 70s. And um, Leary had it in mind that he was going to, uh, he was going to die, but that he was going to cryogenically freeze his body. And, uh, and uh, he had terminal cancer. He had inoperable cancer. And he would have his body frozen until doctors developed the technology to cure the cancer. And then they'd thaw him and uh, bring him back to life. Well, uh, Timothy Leary died without, um, without the benefit of this uh, cryogenic freezing. He died without the hope of restoring himself. By way of illustration, I think of um, this hole uh, out here that uh, PG&E has dug to reach their pipeline. It's 15 feet deep, and uh, they have a ladder out of it. And I think that something as simple as a dirt hole Go and take a look at it. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing uh, how deep they've dug. But if I tried to do something as simple as get out of a 15-foot deep hole without a ladder, it'd be, it'd be useless. I'd be helpless. And so death has that same futility, that same irresistibility, that same irreversibility. Death has power over every mortal, every human being. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. If um, you haven't lived to lose a loved one, um, uh, you, you will, um, as the Lord enables, as the Lord permits. But. Um, I, I see the, a loved one declining in health, and I think, you know, I need to spend time with this loved one because he or she has very few days left. And uh, I realize that when that loved one uh, goes, when that loved one dies, that's, um, that's it. I'm not going to have the benefit of his counsel or her prayer, and, uh, and so... I want to, uh, to take advantage of that. It's a farewell. We bid farewell to these without any expectation of seeing them on earth again. And yet our text this morning reads in verse uh, 24 that it was not possible that he, the Lord Jesus, could be held by it by death. There are several reasons for Christ's resurrection that Lewis Schaefer gives in his book, Major Bible Themes. The first one is that Christ arose because of who he is. And I'd like to focus on that, um, that theme this morning. Uh, Christ arose because of who he is. And then Schaefer 
um, references this verse, Acts 2.24, as, uh, as a proof of that. Christ arose because of who he is. Who is Jesus that the, de- that the grave cannot keep him? Do you know him? Do you know him well enough to give reasons for his not being kept by death? I'd like to provide some, and perhaps you can add to them. Let's look at six titles of the Lord Jesus to clue us as to why he had to rise again. The first is, he is the Prince of Life. That word for prince in the original may also be translated author or originator. Jesus is the originator of life. He has life in himself. He gives life to others. Our life is derived from him. It's originated by him. I think of a, uh, a great drawing board in, in heaven. And on this drawing board, the Lord Jesus designs the plants and animals that we, that we know. He personally fashioned them. He personally designed them. All the variety of, of plants and animals, their structures, their shapes, their functions, their abilities, the variety, their colors, uh, he gives them life. But he also specified what we don't see, and that is their DNA, their chemical processes, so complex that we have um, scientists devoting their 40 or 50 years of work uh, behind an electron microscope uh, and chromatography and uh, um, searching for uh, for clues, and yet um, uh, we're we're dumbfounded by the complexity of, of life. Not only the structures of animals and plants, not only their internal uh, workings, but also the principles of life, that of growth, birth, maturity, reproduction. Not only physical life, but the Lord designs spiritual life as well. The life that he gives uh, for eternity from heaven is his. He is the originator of life. He is, we can marvel as we look at a jungle or, or a, a city street um, crowded with people. He is the one who gives life individually to each. Consider then the unsuitability of the originator of life lying in the grave. We know Uh, the Taj Mahal in India. I believe it was built as a tomb for for a princess. The the prince was so overwhelmed by the death of his his loved one that he built this huge, it looks like a palace. And um, it's uh, very ornate, very elaborate. Has anyone been to the Taj Mahal? Okay, well, it may be worth a trip. But imagine, instead of a Taj Mahal in India, we erect this, um, this commemoration, this, uh, this tomb, ten times as elaborate, ten times as, as beautiful in Jerusalem. 
with a, a golden plaque, a huge ornate golden plaque. It says, here lies the body of the originator of life. Does that seem odd to you? It does to me. It's very, um, uh, it's not right. Jesus could not be held by death. He, um, as he ministered on the earth, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was no one who entered his presence or whose presence he entered that, uh, that stayed dead or even uh, very sick uh, for that matter. But he imparted life. He, he, uh, he gave them that, uh, that life. And so it's not right that Jesus should be held by death. He is the prince of life. Secondly, he is the Christ. He is the Messiah of the Old Testament prophecies. And we read that in our uh, Acts chapter 2 in verse 25. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is, he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to seek corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of your joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us today, this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor his flesh did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus... God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. So uh, Peter, preaching here, shows that David in his prophecy was, uh, was not speaking of himself, but he was speaking of the Christ, the Messiah, the one who, the anointed one, who is to come and would fulfill these prophecies It's so interesting to go through the, um, the Old Testament through a, a course like Stranger on the Road to Emmaus and see the, um, uh, the focus that the Old Testament prophets give to, uh, uh, to foretelling of the Lord Jesus and particularly of his resurrection, of his reign. And so, uh, so that's exciting. God would not allow his Holy One to see corruption, but he raised up Christ to sit on the throne of David. All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning Jesus. Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. He's not only the Prince of Life, he's not only the Christ of the Old Testament prophets, but he is the mighty God. In Isaiah 
9.6, the, um, the Lord is referred to as, as mighty God. And uh, the King James translates that, um, I'm sorry, in the New King James, we read, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Who are we speaking of? The Lord Jesus. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The Lord Jesus is the Mighty God. Jehoshaphat said in 2 Chronicles 26, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do, do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? No one can raise his, uh, his hand against the Lord, against Jehovah, for he is all-powerful, he is almighty, he is sovereign. No one can stand against him, yet many will try. Who were those who resisted the resurrection of the Lord Jesus? If you turn with me to Matthew 27, we'll look at a couple. Matthew 27 and verse 62, this was after the Lord's crucifixion, after his burial. Matthew 27, 62. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse from the first. They didn't believe that Christ would rise again the third day. They didn't, uh, they didn't even want the news to go out by his disciples. They're concerned about the disciples stealing his, um, stealing his body and then the news getting out that he'd risen again. So they, were, uh, uh, they resisted the Lord. Pilate, um, we'll, we'll talk about next, Pilate. So those were the Jews, the Jewish leaders. 65, uh, verse 65, Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. So here's Roman authority the most powerful government on the earth, setting their seal on the tomb. You open this in danger of death because we, the Roman government, have set our seal here. You are not to open this tomb, okay? And they set a guard so that, uh, so that no one would tamper, no one would interfere with the, with the tomb. Pilate so vacillating, so wishy-washy. Um, he didn't believe 
the Lord would rise again, necessarily, but he didn't believe his body was going to stay in the grave either, okay? He, he's, uh, he's not sure. He says, make it as secure as you know how, okay? I can't help you. I'm just the Roman, I'm just the Roman governor. You can put my seal on it. You can roll the stone there. You can set a guard. But if Jesus is going to rise from the dead, I'm not going to stop him. Make it as secure as you know how. There were the Jewish leaders. There were the Roman government. There was a satanic host that, uh, that set against the, the rising of the Lord Jesus. The name Satan means to oppose, to accuse, to hate. And Satan was at work from immediately following creation. He was there. He was there to oppose, to derail what God intended. And so he introduced uh, deception and sin in the, in the garden. Has God said? Seeking to uh, disrupt the, um, the plans that the Lord had. And so uh, we can imagine that the, um, the hordes of... Uh, Dirty um, spirits had, uh, had gathered there at uh, Christ's tomb to prohibit him from rising again. But woe to him who despises the power of the Almighty. I think of the example of Samson and how uh, they tied his hands together with seven bowstrings. And uh, it's, uh, the account in Judges is that he broke them as if uh, yarn was burned with fire, okay? So the, um, the enemy bound him with new ropes and Samson broke them as if they were a thread. <laughs> Christ's resurrection was by no means easy, but it was more sure than Samson's deliverance. There was never any question, there was never any uncertainty as the Lord rising from the dead Jesus Christ was not alone in raising him up from the dead, but the Holy Spirit was active in this as well. We read in Romans 8, 11, but the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The Holy Spirit was there at creation. The Holy Spirit was um, there at Christ's uh, anointing. The Holy Spirit was there at his resurrection. Um, and there was no resisting that spirit. The Father raised Jesus. We read in Acts 2 that God raised him up. God raised up Jesus from the dead. Jesus raised himself, and that's, that's most remarkable uh, to me. In his omnipotence, in his sovereignty, he said to his disciples, I lay down my life that I may take it again. I lay it down that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. It was not possible 
that Jesus should be held by death. Well, he's not only the mighty God, but he's also uh, referred to as the first fruits. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, referring to believers who have died. Um, uh, so Christ is the first of many who have died and yet will be, uh, uh, will be raised again. He's the, um, the, in, the first ingathering of a mighty harvest of, of, um, of those who will be resurrected. So clearly identified with the raising up of these bodies that Jesus would claim, I am the resurrection and the life. There is a man in the glory. His name is Jesus. He is the mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He is the first fruits of a greater resurrection. Not only first fruit, but he is the truth. I love this title of the Lord Jesus. He so embodies what is true that one of his titles is the truth. I am the way, the truth, the life. He was the perfect expression of truth, not merely in what he said, but also in his sincerity and integrity of his character. Are we true? Have we never lied or exaggerated to avoid the consequence of our wrongs, our failures? Or have we never shaded the truth to spare ourselves inconvenience or hardship? Jesus never lied. He never exaggerated, never shaded the truth. And so, when he made promises to his disciples or to his detractors, he was going to keep those promises, and he wasn't going to be late. I commit myself to being at a certain place at a certain time, and I say, I'm here, and the person says, you're late. Jesus was never late. He was true to his commitments, to his promises. And so, I'd like to read through some of these promises to show, uh, show that the Lord Jesus said that he would rise again and see the frequency with which he said it. Matthew 12:40. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Matthew 17, 22. Now while they were staying at Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And the third day he will be raised up. Matthew 20, 18. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, 
And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. Matthew 26, 32. After I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Someone rightly said that Christianity stands or falls with the resurrection. And the reason, I I believe that's true. The reason is because Jesus' promises of his resurrection were so mingled with his other promises. They were so frequent in the scripture. There was no doubt that the Lord Jesus intended uh, and promised to rise again. He is the truth. He is the coming judge. The Apostle Paul preached on Mars Hill. He said, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. Who's that? Jesus. He has given assurance to this, of this to all by raising him from the dead. Jesus Christ is God's ordained judge. God has given proof. He's given a guarantee of future judgment by raising Jesus from the dead. The Father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the Son. It's a sobering thought that Jesus will judge that he who died for the sins of the world and uh, was buried and rose again, that he would sit in judgment against unrepentant sinners. How long could death keep Jesus? As long as the Father desired, as long as he specified. As long as the Holy Spirit had previously revealed to his prophets. Hopefully we've seen this morning that because of who he is, death, has no hold on the Lord Jesus. Well, since death has no hold on him, why would he die at all? Why did Jesus die? Simply because our sins, the things that you and I have have morally failed to do, uh, these sins must be punished. Jesus, in his mercy and pity and compassion and grace, prefers that he suffer those instead of you and me. And so uh, it's, re- it's um, written in 1 Peter 2, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And Jesus uh, died for our sins, that we might be healed. 1 Peter 3.18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Jesus died that he might bring us to God. He died also to break the power of death. That power that we spoke of earlier, he died to break that. In Hebrews 2, we read, 
Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus broke the power of death by breaking him who had power over death, the devil, by his introduction of uh, sin and his, um, uh, the resulting consequences of that sin. His be the victor's name who fought the fight alone. Triumphant saints, no honor claim. His conquest was their own. By weakness and defeat, he won a glorious crown trod all our foes beneath his feet by being trodden down. He Satan's power laid low, made sin he sin o'erthrew, bowed to the grave, destroyed it so, and death by dying slew. Bless, bless the conqueror slain, slain in his victory, who lived, who died, who lives again, for thee his church, and you his saints, for thee. Third, um, in uh, reasons why Christ died, we have a great paradox in Acts 3, verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. We, God's creatures, put to death the prince of life. It's a paradox. It doesn't, it doesn't seem possible that his creatures would kill the creator. It's a sad business for hatred, for envy, because his works were righteous and ours were not, that, um, that we would kill the prince of life. But God raised him from the dead. It was simply not within the realm of possibility that the grave could hold the Lord Jesus in death. So how should I respond to the resurrection of Christ? Our Amazement and appreciation overflows in worship as we recognize who the Lord Jesus is, who was crucified, who was buried, who it is, who uh, was not possible to be held. For those who know the Lord Jesus, we have a tremendous comfort in his resurrection Paul prayed for the Ephesians in Ephesians 1.17 that, uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and, listen, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. God exercises resurrection power in the believer's life. That same kind, that same quality, that same quantity of power that the Lord, that God the Father exercised in raising his son from the dead, he offers to you. He offers that same, that same ability, that same power, that same uh, um, enabling so that we can live the life that he, uh, that he wants us to live, a, li a life that glorifies him. Is there a smaller problem in your life that God is not able to deal with, to correct, to overcome, since he has raised his own son from the dead? Is that a comfort to you this morning? You who are dealing with, uh, with issues, with problems, God applies that same power, that resurrection power to, to his believers, to you. He offers comfort. He offers confidence through the resurrection of Christ. We serve a risen Savior. He is risen. He is reigning. He is returning. And as we go about our lives of service, we, uh, we can have that confidence that he sees, he watches. Yes, he's in secret. We don't, uh, we don't see him, but he is, uh, he is alive, and uh, he is appreciating your service, and he is returning to acknowledge, to reward that service for him. So it's a great confidence that I take uh, to serve a risen Savior. Boldness. He gives comfort. He gives confidence. He gives boldness. Observe Peter. The same day of the, um, uh, the resurrection being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, there was Peter and the disciples, okay? Fear and despair marked their, um, uh, marked their lives. They had lost their leader, Jesus, crucified and buried. Would his promises be buried with him forever? He'd made all these grand promises of his, um, of his reign, of his victory. And now are they buried with him? News came, he is risen. He's no longer here. He's risen from the dead. He's no longer in the grave. Seeing the risen Jesus, Peter preached, perhaps to the same Jews that he feared in that room. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. What was the effect of Peter's preaching? Fearful, 
despondent, despairing Peter, now preaching to the multitude of these Jews in, uh, in our chapter, Acts 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter told them, uh, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to him. What a change in Peter. The Lord gave boldness through his, um, uh, through his resurrection. He is alive. He is, um, he is powerful. There are um, many around us in the course of our daily lives who need the Lord Jesus. They need your boldness. That was brought home for me uh, two weeks ago as I was thinking about these uh, the resurrection of Christ, I thought, you need to be bold. Uh, this is good news. You need to go and tell people. And so I, I tried for uh, every day at work, you know, where's the opportunity, Lord? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to people. And I, uh, people asked me what I was doing, and I, I said, well, we're going to have a resurrection message at our, in our fellowship. And uh, my... Uh, um, my one coworker, as he was leaving uh, Friday afternoon, he said, Happy Easter. And as I was trying to do during these two weeks, I said, Oh, Happy Resurrection Day. And he said, What's that? And I said, Well, resurrection is, um, is uh, where Christ raised from the dead after being crucified. And, uh, and he is alive. And uh, I said, um, And people will be resur resurrected too. Um, and he said, well, what does that matter? And I said, well, you're, you're going to be resurrected in a, in a coming day, and it's up to you, your uh, decision, as to whether you'll be resurrected to life and heaven or was, whether you'll be resurrected to, uh, to hell and condemnation. And... Uh, uh, I sensed that he was listening. I sensed that there's a little curiosity there uh, as he walked out the door. So I'm going to talk with him again and hope that, um, uh, that there's a response there. But there, he just represents a whole office full of people who um, are asking the question, so what? What does it matter that Christ was resurrected? Was he even resurrected? Is he alive? These are all questions that, um, that we need to answer. We need to not wait like I wait, but to go to them with, uh, with the good news. And then um, expectancy. The Lord uh, gives us boldness. He gives us expectancy. Uh, the Lord Jesus told his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's good news for uh, his disciples. For those who do not yet know the Lord Jesus, repent 
from your sin. Trust in him for the salvation of your soul. Because, as Paul preached to, um, to those in Athens, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And he's given proof of this assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Each of us will meet the resurrected Christ, some as our Savior, others as our judge. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Let's pray. We're grateful, Lord, for uh, your being the truth, for you being the life, the mighty God, the Prince of life, and uh, we, uh, we praise you this morning for these great titles that um, reflect, reflect great things about yourself. And uh, I pray that um, we might use the boldness, the comfort, the confidence, the ex- expect- expectancy that, um, that you've given us in these last days to reach out to those who are hurting, those who are asking, so what? What does it matter um, if Christ is alive, if he was resurrected from the dead? Lord, and I pray for those who are here this morning who don't know you. Pray for that one who has um, uh, disbelieved you, has resisted you somehow, that um, that one would, um, would repent of his sin, would, um, uh, would trust in you for the salvation of his soul. So precious, so important. Um, We praise you for your resurrection, Lord Jesus. Amen.